you may be the best in the world, what you do, but if you have that mentality of I can always be better, I can always be a better version of myself, not better than anyone else, a better version of myself, then I think that carries you on in life and I think you will be successful in anything you do. Underdog stories are happening all around us, not just in the movies or on TV. There are people out there beating the odds and overcoming adversity every single day. And on this podcast, we're bringing those stories to light. This is Tyler O'Shea, and you're listening to Hustle and Motivate. Today's episode of Hustle and Motivate is presented by the Underdog Newsletter, a short, bite-sized rundown of the best underdog stories in sports, hand-picked and delivered to your inbox every Tuesday. Each week, we dig into the deepest corners of the sports universe to bring you the stories that don't always grab the national headlines. Articles, videos, and podcast interviews with the long shots, role players, and underdogs beating the odds. To sign up, just go to jokermag.com newsletter. That's jokermag.com newsletter. As you guys know, at Joker Mag, we're constantly preaching the underdog mentality. But what does it really mean? In today's show, I sat down with one of our own, Henry Duncan, a writer here at Joker Mag. In our conversation, Henry explains the underdog mentality and what it really means. And he goes into detail about how carrying this mentality has helped him continue to grow and change his life for the better. Henry also shares his deeply personal story, which includes his battle with depression and his incredible journey from 34% body fat all the way down to 11%. And just a heads up, we recorded this during Henry's lunch break at work in the heart of Washington, D.C., so you might hear some background noise. But that won't take away from all the golden tidbits Henry drops in our conversation. So here is Joker Mag's very own Henry Duncan. Henry Duncan, I'm from Arlington, Virginia, born and raised. Uh, I went to Landon High School in Bethesda, Maryland, and then I attended Davidson College for two years outside Charlotte, North Carolina, and then finished off at McDaniel College and graduated in 2018, where I met uh, the host of this podcast, uh, Tyler O'Shea, where we were in the same fraternity together. So, yes, obviously, um, also you write for us at jokermag.com and all that good stuff, um, but I kind of want to go back to your baseball career because that's where it seems like everything kind of developed and started and that's how you got to where you are today is through baseball uh sure yeah i'm pretty sure when i was born like if i could be like the energizer bunny in those uh like duracell commercials i, I in like human form that would be me since i was little i always had so much energy never to the point where my parents worried i had add adhd just like a lot of energy always sort of flying around playing sports and growing up um my dad introduced me to baseball, soccer, basketball, but I always gravitated towards baseball. Um, my dad would throw me diving diving passes again and again. Um, I kept wanting to dive and catch. Like I didn't care that I'm getting dirty, that I could hurt myself, I could scratch his cuts. I just always just wanted to do that. Um, and then it sort of built off of that. I think as a baseball player, uh, I was very strong defensively. Uh, my nickname in Little League was Hoover because I was like a vacuum playing shortstop. Anytime there's a short fly ball hit into no man's land towards center fielder, I was there. I was catching it. I mean, maybe my dad said like, oh, don't worry. I'm just going to catch that. 
Um, I think that defensive prowess uh, helped like build my, you know, my hustling, my grinding mentality. Um, I was never big, like, you know, you, like we were both small grown up baseball players, but we always could play. Um, and I felt like I really carved my niche as a baseball player defensively because I was willing to do what other people want to do, hustle after uh, ground balls, dive, leave my feet anytime I can to save a run, to, you know, make a, make a play to help the team. And, um, and then as I got older, the, the defensive abilities kept getting better and better, but I was still pretty small. Um, so what could I do at that point? Um, you know, I could just be that small defensive player that came in certain times to make a play, um, or I could build off of that. Um, and so I kept working. I, 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 I had a, that hurricane in your backyard where you hit, hit it and it spun around and came back. I had a net in my backyard. I had, I had to make myself a better hitter. And I think just like in general, my baseball abilities were built off of defense, but then how I became a more complete player was just working and working and working from a young age to get better. And um, I mean, we all love to play the game, but at some point I realized that you got to work your butt off. Um, I think there was a distinct moment after a tournament in high school where we won the tournament down North Carolina against bigger, better team. And I came in as a defensive specialist. Also, I bunted in situations because it was a wood bat tournament. My dad asked me how many hours you could put in this week, this weekend after the tournament. I said, oh, about two or three. He said, you want to get really good. You got about twice as much time to that. And I had always, like, worked hard, but that sort of flipped the switch for me. If I was going to play competitive high school baseball and even play in college, I had to work out. I had to outwork everyone. And so Hoover Hank, the vacuum nickname developed into uh, Sweaty and Dirty was my other name um, because – I would always, you know, every every time I had a chance, I tried to do the little things, and and so I'd get really dirty and sweaty. And I'm pretty sure I helped break our first washing machine um, because of all the dirt. Um, but I was okay with that because I was content with the fact I worked hard and I played hard in games. And um, that's just my identity as a baseball player. I think carried on the rest of my life um, and carried on into my hard times, uh, dealing with health issues. Uh, it carries me to today. Um, and it's just, you know, David Eckstein and Dustin Bajori were my role models growing up, two undersized middle infielders who made their teams better by hustling and, and getting dirty and, and being good teammates also. And so that's sort of my baseball career, my baseball identity since I was little, always trying to do the extra thing. I was hustling has applied to the rest of my life and I've really benefited from it. And you mentioned like being undersized and looking up to guys like David Eckstein, Dustin Pedroia. I know for me personally, it helped me a lot just seeing an example of like what, what is possible for people who are smaller in, in baseball and in sports in general, even going to like football, Darren Sproles, guys like that, just undersized guys that embrace that, that mentality. Um, where do you think that mentality came from? Do you think it came from watching these types of guys or do you think it just came from, from you? It's interesting. Uh, it's not something we've discussed before. Um, but I think watching them, how they carry themselves uh, was a part of it, how they didn't have these natural abilities being big, fast, tall, strong. Um, but what like David Eckstein, Dustin Majori had. Dustin Majori, for example, being a Red Sox fan, I really studied him. 
he had extremely good vision. He had extremely good eye-hand coordination. And he had an uppercut swing. Everyone's like, you can't swing that hard and, and expect to compete at the major league level. He said, screw it. Like, I can. Like, I've done it every level from high school to Arizona State where he beat out Ian Kinsler for the shortstop position. Um, you know, you call it cocky in his confidence, but he knew he was good. But he had this, you know, talk about David Goliath story. What people don't know is uh, David had this extreme skill of um, hurling rock with uh, almost like a catapult type um, a slingshot. And he was uh, so skilled, so adept with it. And no one knew, like, Goliath had poor vision. He was not a good fighter. He was just big. And so I think, like, thinking about Dustin Majori, David Eckstein, thinking about myself or you, like, we did not have these great natural abilities, but we had these skills that we developed or these small natural abilities, like eye-hand coordination, um, that so while we had disadvantages, we had advantages. I think that everyone gets that story wrong. David and Goliath. David wasn't so much an underdog as we thought, but he carried that underdog mentality. And that's what makes you better. That growth mentality that you do anything in life, um, be, be accepting a failure um, because um, it's fun trying to do the impossible. It's fun trying to do things people can't tell you to do. It's fun for you to you know, be five foot one as a freshman in high school and then be you know, an all conference player from McDaniel college your senior year. Like it's fun doing that because you had these skills that made you good and but people always viewed you viewed me as an underdog and you know underdogs we're just not as big fast as strong as you know people want these college coaches wanted these high school coaches wanted um but we had something else that they didn't have yeah and you mentioned the underdog mentality and that's actually from what i remember that's what kind of drew you to Joker Mag and wanting to wanting to help us out and join the team. What does it mean to you? What does the underdog mentality mean to you? I am a I am a Red Sox fan, but I'm also a Patriots fan. And I once heard you know, Tom Brady say like he never wants to come out of games. We see it nowadays. I mean, the Patriots were destroying the Steelers uh, opening game of the season. He was still in there. I think I think he never forgets that he was a six round draft pick. That everyone doubted him. That everyone said go get another job. Don't pursue football. I think, I think people worry. I think people um, conflate underdog with meaning like having to be against the world. I don't think that's the case. I think it just means that, you know, you never settle for something that someone says you're good enough. If it's not good enough for you, then keep grinding and keep doing your thing. Like I think the underdog mentality is just, again, always growing, always failing and fail upwards, fail, fail early, fail often, fail forward. Um, and I think as an underdog, it's like you always got to think you're second best. Even if you're not, you may be the best in the world, what you do. But if you have that mentality of I can always be better, I can always be a better version of myself, not better than anyone else, a better version of myself, then I think that like, carries you on life. And I think you will be successful in anything you do. And, um, you know, we're at, the, we're at the early stages of our adult life. But who's to say, like, we keep this mentality, this underdog mentality where life can take us, where we can take ourselves in life. So I think underdog mentality is an everyday thing, but I think people need to be careful about underdog mentality does not mean that everyone's out to get you. Everyone thinks you're too small. You're too slow. It's just, it's just having the, having the ability to continue to grind and try to be the best version of yourself every day and, and always try to improve and never think you're better than everyone else. Never think you're smarter than everyone else. Um, always try to grow, always try to make yourself better. That's a great way to put it, dude. That's a great explanation. I 
probably couldn't have said it any better myself. Thank you. So going into kind of what you mentioned before, do you want to talk about kind of your college experience and how you ended up getting to McDaniel? I don't know how much you want to get into, but um, just kind of the struggles you went through. Uh, yeah. Um, in, in high school, I had actually was diagnosed with depression and anxiety my sophomore year at Landon. And I went through therapy on some medicine. And a few months later, I was doing well, um, getting back into just my normal routine and just feeling better. And so I was fine for about three years. Freshman spring, I was on the baseball team and I was also pledging a fraternity. And it was a lot. It was too much. And that anxiety and depression came back. And it's tough. Like if you've ever been through being clinically depressed, it is tough. Um, I never felt like there was no. I always felt like there was a light at the end of the tunnel. I just felt like crap. And um, and I had another instance of that my sophomore fall at Davidson where I actually had to take a leave of absence. Um, oddly enough, uh, being depressed, I had my best semester at Davidson. And I think that says just like who I am, despite overwhelming odds and, and struggling mentally, I still continue that underdog mentality, still that grinding, doing the best I can. Um, and then in the fall of 2014, uh, things were different. I was, um, it was worse than it had ever been. And I, I left Davidson. It took leave of absence again. And I was diagnosed with bipolar one disorder. Um, and you know, we'd say that the anxiety and depression was just, uh, uh, the precipitous of the diagnosis. We didn't know early on that it would come to this, but, um, it was a struggle. I, I went into a bipolar depression and then the next fall I went back to Davidson and it just didn't work. Uh, it just was. It wasn't the right environment for me. Um, so I, I, I got. I went down to Houston. Went to uh, a facility that was world renowned to get the proper diagnosis to make sure how can we, how can I live a functional life the rest of my life dealing with the fact that I do have bipolar. Um, and went there for a couple months and got the right treatment, right medication. And since then, I've been fine. Um, since then I've been stable and I hope there's someone out there that hears this and understands that, um, mental illness does not make you weak. It's just a part of life. It's like having diabetes. It's like having, you know, missing a limb, whatever it is. It's something we have to deal with that you people don't see on a daily basis. Um, but fortunately I was able to continue to, uh, get better. I coached at my high school, the varsity baseball team that spring, and I applied to McDaniel college. I looked at colleges, George Mason, GW, and AU around DC. But I remember that I got recruited to run cross country at high school at McDaniel, who I think the track cross country coach, trust cross country coach, is still is still there. Um, I was like, let's go check it out, mom. Um, so I visited there and liked it. It was small, like Davidson, smaller bar school, um, and I wouldn't trade those two years at McDaniel for the two years at Davidson. I worked my butt off to get into Davidson, really hard school, really hard school to get into. But my experience, I think my best college experience was two years at McDaniel, meeting you, meeting everyone in SAE, uh, and being able to live that functional life, knowing I have a mental illness. But it was tough. Um, it was tough to deal with day to day and just being back in school, new environment, no, didn't know anyone there, but welcomed in by you and the other guys in the fraternity. And um, that really helped. Unfortunately, I had a bad back injury, couldn't exercise, couldn't do what I normally did. I loved to exercise. I loved to be in the weight room. Um, junior year, so June of 2017, I come back home. I had a doctor's appointment. I was 220 pounds. 
I'd never been that big before. It was it was a wake up call. So I started running again. I ran high school and I ran in college a little bit, and I ran and and talk about improving every day. I just kept slimming down, and you know, by the time I returned in the fall, I was in the senior year. I was two hundred pounds. Still not good enough for me. Um, graduated McDaniel in May of twenty eighteen. Still between one ninety five two hundred. I hadn't broken through yet. Hadn't really found a way to change. Um, now speaking to you today on October second, I weigh one hundred and seventy pounds. I have varies between eleven to twelve percent body fat, um, and I feel great. And I credit that to how I was as a kid. I wanted to do these things. I wanted to change. I go since February. I go through two days. I would put myself through two days. I worked from home remotely. I would wake up before work. I'd go for a run or I'd go to the Ambitious Athletics, which is a gym I went to in D.C. I'd get workout in, and then I'd go play basketball in the evening. Um, and it wasn't like trying to like slim down in like a certain amount of time. It was just um, I, I got that energy back that I had when I was little. You know, I think the medicine finally a good place, and I just started losing weight, and I started eating better. Really, I, I really don't drink anymore. And I credit that a lot to my, my slimming down. Um, and I bring this all up. The numbers don't matter. I dropped 50 pounds in two years. That doesn't matter. The point is, it's like, it's the progress that you make, whether or not you lose that amount of weight, whether or not you transform your body. If you're trying to make yourself better, um, it doesn't matter. If you're, if you're moving around, exercising, doing things good for your body, eating well, you don't need to be this ideal, you know, whatever, bodybuilder. You don't need to be this slim model that can be put on store walls to show off clothes just be just be excellent and just improving and i i'm really proud of myself um, a lot of people help but like it's a daily it's a daily process and something i learned is you know when you go to the gym when you eat well and you get the results you got to keep doing those things you're gonna lose them you got to keep going to the gym if you want to you got to keep eating well if you want to um because that's you, you get the results from the constant grind, the everyday grind, the underdog mentality. Um, and I think right now at this point in my life, I work for Gartner um, and um, great experience. It's a research advisory firm in Roslyn and it's been a great experience, a lot of great people. And I think like I'm, you talk about living your best life. I think I've, I'm, I'm figuring out despite the grind and struggle of everyday life, um, of adult life, I feel like I'm at my best right now. Um, and I think it's because of that underdog mentality that I had since I was little and, and that we finally figured out the health issues um, that were plaguing me. Um, and it's, it's great. And I would just say to anyone, again, you struggle with mental illness, physical illness, don't put a ceiling on your life. Uh, a roof is a man-made thing. A ceiling is a man-made thing. Don't let anyone tell you you can't do something. Like, like I said, I want to get to a certain weight and buy fat. Like, the trainer was like, no, no, you're good. You can stick at this. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. I, I have a goal in mind. And so, again, never never let anyone else put a ceiling on your life. Don't put a ceiling on your life. Um, just keep doing what you do. Sorry for a long, elongated uh, no, you, message. But. You touched on a lot of great things there. And yesterday when we were talking on the phone, you said everyone has something they have to battle. And that's so true. And I just wanted to know, what is your advice for people that are in those dark times that what can they do to dig themselves out of it? I don't think you can do it alone. I think there's got to be someone there. It could be one person. It could be five people. It could be 10 people. It could be a hundred people. 
I credit my parents, friends, um, you know, gave me through those tough times. Um, but you got to look at yourself in the mirror and you say, there are two alternatives. You can sink or swim. And it doesn't mean, you know, we all sink. It's all about two steps forward, one step back. We're not always swimming up, upstream and, and improving. But I think if you just have the mentality and you lean on people when you need them, people want to help you and, and just never be afraid to reach out to someone Never be afraid to talk to someone who can help you. If you're not in it alone, whatever it is, mental, physical, emotional, whatever it is, people inherently want to help you, especially if you're a good person and want to see you succeed. And, and a lot of the determination and strength can come from within, but I think it's just as important to lean on your family, to lean on your friends. Because I mean, they can say one kind word that could, one kind word that can flip your switch turn things around for you and you can do that for yourself to some extent but they say we can we can lose as individuals or we can win together and i think life humanity is about doing things together and helping each other when we're down when we're down and out um and i think that makes all the difference it made all the difference in my life when i was struggling with mental illness and it continues today because with me like going to the gym if you don't go to the gym you're gonna lose it you don't eat well you're not gonna feel as good if I don't take care of myself every day, that everyday struggle that everyone goes through, that I'm not, I'm not alone in that struggle. So I would just say again, you're not alone. You can get through this. It starts with you, but lean on other people to help you. And you talked about seeing the results from running and training in the gym. And I think it comes down to like momentum. You know, you kind of, when you hit that, when you hit that bottom with your back injury, and I think you said like, 34% body fat. Now you're 11% body fat. It's just amazing. And how does that process happen of like building that momentum? Like, was there one point where you decided like, I got to get in better shape? I just, you know, I've been going to this gym, Ambitious Athletics since June of 2018, I guess a month after I graduated. And I was seeing the results. I was getting stronger. Like I was losing some weight. I was sort of stuck like around like 190, 195. I'm like, okay, what can I change? So I think it all starts with that momentum that you talk about, but it's little momentum. It's little incremental changes that you make that you try to do every day. Um, I mean, the process of getting better in anything and improving is doing little, little, little things over and over again. You go to the gym one day and work out nine hours, you're not going to see the results. You work out for a week, you're not going to see the results. You, you try to build a sports multimedia website outside Philadelphia that mimics the ringer. It doesn't, you're not going to see the results after a week. You're not going to see the results after a month or a year, maybe even five years that you really want to see. But eventually you will, if you keep that momentum that you said going, you keep, you do the little things. You know, you cannot do the big things in life without doing the little things. That's something I was taught with my, uh, my travel team, um, the head first gamers when I was 13, 14, um, we were smaller than everyone else. We played these big kids from Pennsylvania, Virginia, down Southern Virginia, North Carolina. They're bigger. They crushed us as 13, 14 year olds. But our coaches always said, you do the little things, you learn how to play the game the right way. I think the same thing applies to life. You do the little things, you learn how to live life and honor life the right way. The big things will come. And, um, you know, I just think that that momentum, again, that, that's a great way to put it. The momentum um, is good. And sometimes that momentum gets halted. Sometimes, you know, life hits you in the mouth, punch you in the mouth. And um, it's, it's again, how you lean on others, 
how you come out of that because as you know like it's great Rashi Balboa said like life is life is tough like sometimes you're gonna get punched in the mouth but it's not how hard you get hit it's about how hard you get hit but keep moving forward how much you can take but keep moving forward and that's winning that's winning in life um and that's that momentum that you speak about and I'm glad you mentioned like the little things, doing the little things right and just starting very small because for me, that's something that I had to realize the hard, I had to learn it the hard way. And over the past six months, like when it comes to this podcast, this website, I've had to simplify a lot of things and just kind of focus on small little tasks that are going to move the ball forward and kind of drop everything else. Because in the beginning, I had such a big focus and obviously we've talked about this before. But I had such a big focus and I had such a big vision that it was like I'm trying to do everything at the same time and I'm trying to catch up. So like in terms of your fitness journey and stuff like that, how did you keep that small focus vision instead of like trying to say, oh, I want to get stronger, I want to get bigger or I want to get I want to lose fat. I want to do this. I want to do that. How did you keep the focus small? I just focus on one day at a time, I think. I got to the point where I felt comfortable with these workouts at Ambitious Athletics and it would be like an uh, upper body day and I'd be like, great, like I work my upper body, but like that's not going to help me keep cutting. So let me do something else. Let me, let me go for a run. And I just did it one day. I was like, okay, like, like I feel better. Like I feel like I like had like the, it's not about, you don't want to always have a full body workout every day, but I just felt like just try that. Um, and then it got more. It got when I saw a hill, I approached that hill. I'm talking about literally on a run. And this, I think, this is how I see things now. Um, when I go for a run, I don't find a flat run. I don't find an easy run. Sometimes I do longer runs that are flat. But I go for the biggest hill. There's a, there's a trail near my house that's about three-quarters of a mile uphill, gradually uphill. And when I want to run, I, that's my character run. That's my that's my, what I call a character run. That's like that's a mental toughness run um, where you got to push yourself off the hill. And I think that I think that's little things that I did in my fitness were those types of things where um, like I would always challenge myself to the, to my limits. Not, I'm not trying to com- compete with anyone else. Um, I'm just trying to do these little things that no one else does, not because no one else is doing them, but just, you know, running, Running in 95 degree weather with an 80 percent dew point or 80 dew point after I getting a workout in the morning, like I'm not trying to kill myself, but like I just saw it as a chance to be mentally tough. And I think so. Talking about these little things, I think little things of challenging yourself, little ways to almost like when you lift weights, you make tiny tears in your muscles. I think these little tiny tears, mental and mental. In my in my mind, I think I think we're so important, and I think are so important moving forward. Um, and so these these little things, it's just it's just things that do you can do to challenge yourself, challenge yourself. Not you're not trying to be better than anyone else. You're trying to be the best you can be. And I think it's doing these little things that challenge you specifically. And I think I started doing those things. I'd say around February is really when I started slimming down i mean i can look at pictures from uh february and look at pictures now and just totally different and um i think it's because i don't look in the mirror every day and say oh like let me see the differences i just i think the process of working hard i think you see the results in anything you do in life i think in my 
fitness and my, you know, my slimming down, I see it six months later, like definitely see the difference. People saying things like, wow, you look great. And like, I don't do it for those reasons, but it's like, yeah, cause I worked my butt off. I busted my ass. I do two day workouts. I sometimes work out, play, work out, lift, run, and then play basketball, pick up basketball for an hour. And I, I just do that because I just want to challenge myself. And I also love playing basketball, but that's another story. But uh, yeah, I think like the little things become big things. And I think the little things you do every day over time, they amount to a big thing. And, and you see transformational changes in your life. And in our conversation today and our phone call yesterday, you kind of touched on the fact that you don't feel like you're, you know, an above average, like as far as God given ability and like things that you were born with, you don't feel like you're anything other than, you know, just a guy, you know what (laughs) I mean? Like just a normal, a normal guy, but you've accomplished this extraordinary feat and you've gotten extraordinary results. What do you want? people to remember about you and your story and this conversation? Um, yeah, I just, I, I think that we don't need to be this famous person where we walk down the street that everyone recognizes us, that we can't walk down the street because we're so famous, um, that we have all these material things, you know, all this stuff that makes in our American capitalism makes us successful, quote unquote. I think you know, you don't have to be as an athlete. You don't have to be. I mean, you. Everyone wants to be Mike Trout. Um, everyone wants to be. You know, Steph Curry. Everyone wants to be. Um, whatever Tom Brady. Um, you know, Carson Wentz. There you go. Your your Philip Eagles. You know, uh, whatever it is. Um, but all those guys and great, you know, great women figures in our world, like Ella Deladon from the Mystics. Talk about Alex Morgan, Megan Rapino. Um, you know, they all started as like just normal people. They just worked tirelessly at a skill, at something that, were, and they became so good at it. They got paid to do it and have become famous because of it. But I think not everyone can be that. Not everyone can have that platform. But I think what we can all be is commonly excellent. It's just a term I coin, like common man or common woman just be excellent in what you do and it doesn't have to be some big grandiose thing it doesn't have to be some thing on the global stage i think i think for me and for you i think what we do and what we choose to focus on and work tirelessly to there's our excellence there there's there's excellence and, and greatness is not reserved for this few like i think we get that all wrong greatness isn't everyone it's just whatever we're good at if you're good standing on your head for two minutes and no one else can do that then you're one of the best in the world doing that but no one knows that um you know i just think that you and i and and so many others that you've interviewed are representations of just normal people who do extraordinary things and always have this underdog mentality always feel like they can do better that they can be the best version of themselves i think in this world we can um robert frost once said um there were two roads in the forest and i took the one less trap less traveled and that made all the difference i think by that he means that you know don't try to be accepted for something you're not try to be accepted for who you are because if you try to fit in with everyone else you just become invisible in this world and we only have one life and so i think to stand out you have to be who you are you have to be commonly excellent you have to be a common man or common woman just be excellent what you do 
but I think that's in everything you do in life. I think every, almost everything I do, it started with when I was younger, diving for footballs and basketball, diving for fly, line drives, ground balls and baseball. I think now as a 26 year old, as I've gotten older and more mature and gained perspective, um, I think that excellence, as Aristotle once said, is an habit, not an act. Uh, Aristotle, uh, I forget Socrates who said, but um, I, I, I think everything and everything I do, it'd be even like the small, tiniest things. I try to do the extra things. Um, I try to hustle. Um, I think it just applies to everything in life. I think the way this underdog mentality that you fostered with Joker Mag, it's not just in sports. It's not just in a music career, art, whatever. I think we need to be excellent in everything we do. I think if we are an excellent one thing, and we have that underdog mentality of always grinding. I think that applies to everything in life. And that's how we become excellent. That's how we become great. Um, and it all starts with doing the little things. But only if you want to. I mean, this is your life. No one should tell you what you can or can't do or should do or shouldn't do. Um, just do what you love and, and love doing it and, and love the process. I'll tell you, like, um, you're cutting down weight to this point, you know, graduating from McDaniel with honors, you know, working at Gartner, like those are all great things, but it's just because I love working hard. I love the process and I've loved that process since my dad threw me balls to die for in the backyard. Cause you know what, as an 18 year old on land and varsity baseball team, diving for a ball in the, in the gap, that was second nature. I've been doing it since I was five. So. Well, Henry, dude, this has been a great conversation, man. A lot of informative stuff, a lot of really helpful advice and Actually, you cleared a lot of things up for me in terms of the underdog mentality. Um, as much as I preach it and talk about it, like you've added some new things to the mix for me. So there's a lot to think about, a lot to consider. Um, before we wrap this up, do you want to tell people where they can find you, how they can support you? Uh, they can find me at the Lime Village Park uh, basketball court Monday through Thursday at 6 <laughs> o'clock. I'll be there. Um, <laughs> No, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, it's Henry Duncan. Um, Instagram is HooverHank8. And LinkedIn, Henry Duncan. Um, yeah, if anyone ever wants to talk, I think it. I think we can improve and, and grow this underdog mentality and just hope everyone understands that everyone should be an underdog. Everyone um, should feel that or try to live that way and, I think the more we can relate to each other and connect, whether someone wants to connect with me on social media or um, read our articles and listen to these podcasts on Joker Mag, I think that's how we grow our influence. And I'm not talking about Joker Mag influence, about influence of being an underdog. And so I hope, I hope this has been a good experience for people. And, and I mean, you inspire me every day. And I, you know, that's the other thing. I, I love reading stories about these people who are told they can't do something and they end up doing it because that's the that's the it's the heart of the underdog when we see it every day. So. Amen to that, dude. Thanks so much for coming on, taking the time out of your work day to come on here and share share your wisdom. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you, Tyler. Take care. Huge thank you to Henry Duncan for coming on the show this week, and a big shout out to you guys for listening and continuing to share and spread the word about hustle and motivate. Let's keep spreading that underdog mentality. Have a great weekend.